Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. The Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes in chapter number 7. We've been going through this book for the last several weeks. We're going to uh, end our little series on Ecclesiastes today. We'll take a pause and then return back to it a little bit later. But we've been enjoying picking through this book and learning quite a bit about this time frame. We know that the book of Ecclesiastes, as you find your way to Ecclesiastes chapter number 7, Ecclesiastes chapter number 7, is written by King Solomon at the end of his life. King Solomon is taking an honest, candid view of his life as he has spent the last several years away from the Lord. And as he's looking back, he's examining his life and he's making the conclusion that life lived without regard is vanity. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. That word vanity means empty and he's understanding that he has an empty life because he's attempted to live his life without God in his proper place. Chapter 6, we saw that there was a little bit of a switch now from the uh, despair and the hating of life to more of another observation that there is hope. There is something to it. Turn with me now as we see this continuation in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter number 7. Ecclesiastes chapter number 7 and notice with me in verse number 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 1. A good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. It is better to go into the house of mourning than to go in the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance of the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of the mourning, but the heart of the fools is in the house of mirth. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of the thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of a fool. This also is vanity. Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad, and a gift destroyeth a heart. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud of spirit. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Say not thou, what is the cause (laughs) that the former days were not better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Wisdom is a good with an inheritance, and by it there is profit to them that see the sun. Wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense, but the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. And if you have it in marking things in your Bible, 
Mark a phrase that we find in verse number, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse number 12, it says, wisdom giveth life. Wisdom giveth life. And with this, we are going to make an examination here of a better life. You might have noticed and picked up that word better, that it's used quite a bit in this psalm here, this idea of better. And here it's giving a comparison and giving us an explanation that there is a better life, a better life. Now, Solomon attempted, if you could allow us to use a vernacular term, attempted to live life in the fast lane. He had no monetary restrictions. He could do whatever he wanted. He could enjoy life. He just took everything he could. He burnt the candles at both ends. He just went through life as fast as he can, trying to get as much as he can, trying to accomplish as much as he can. And when he came to a screeching stop and made an evaluation, he made some comments on some things about life. He understood that this lifestyle does not last forever. You might think of the story of the prodigal son giving inside of the gospel records that a man demanded to have his inheritance before his dad died. And he went out and lived in riotous living. That he wasted his goods. He didn't uh, work, but instead he just lived off the inheritance, partied, had a good time until the money ran out. When the money ran out, his friends ran out. When his friends ran out, it seemed like his life ran out. And he hit the bottom of the barrel. Just because of he was trying to live that life to the fullest, as they said, and lived it without regard to God and missed out on so much. Now, as Solomon is taking an examination he is going to give several different proverbs inside of this book of Ecclesiastes that is giving a comparison about life and saying that life is better. Now notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 10 as we kind of start this off with the theme. Verse number 10. Say not thou what is the cause of the former days were better than these. For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Now, this phrase here, say not thou, what is the cause of the former days better than these? Basically, it's the same expression that we have that people turn back the clock and say, well, there were the good old days. The good old days. Now, <laughs> I know we're a little bit advanced in time, but maybe back several years ago, you may have talked to someone who lived during the Great Depression. And you would hear them talk about how rough life was and how they didn't have much and how they had to scrimp and to scrape, save. But later on, you would hear them say, well, we need to go back to the good old days. Well, wait a second. You were just complaining about how bad things were. You know, there is something that we do. We romanticize the good old days. We romanticize and say, well, you know, I remember when I was a kid. But you didn't like it when you were a kid. You, you had hard times and issues and whatnot. And a lot of times we do that because we like to live in the past. We like to live in what happened before. And because of that, we end up missing the things that are in the here and now. Some people don't want to face the here and now. And so for them, they feel it is better for them to live in the past. 
to reminisce about the good old days, to think about how things used to be and how things were much better when I was a kid and how things were better before this happened. And they spend a lot of time in the past and neglect the present that they currently have. So as Solomon is writing this and under the inspiration of scripture and he's giving an evaluation of his life, he says in verse number 12 that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. So if we have wisdom and we're able to apply wisdom to our day-to-day lives for the present, what we understand is that we have a better life than someone who's living in the past, someone who is uh, trying to live life in the fast lane. We sometimes have in our mind that if we just had no problems, we would have a better life. Well, let's see what this has to say, if you don't mind, as we examine throughout chapter 7, we have this series of Proverbs that carry this idea of better. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 1, chapter 7, verse 1, It says, a good name is better than precious ointment. So we start off with this idea, a good name is better. A good name means having character and integrity. That if you were to have a better life, the life that you should have is if you have integrity. What is integrity, by the way? A short definition is doing what's right when no one's looking. It carries the idea of character. It carries the idea of who you are when no one else is looking. By the way, we'll have a whole message on integrity tonight from the book of Proverbs. But to have someone who has character, you're already going to have a better life than just allowing (laughs) you to allow the crowd to uh, not do what you're supposed to, but put in a salesman version to put up a a facade, to put up a, a hypocritical stance. It is better for you to have a good name. It is good for you to have character. It's good for you to have a testimony and they say, you know what? They may not be fun at a party, but they tell the truth. Hey, they may not be fun to hang out and get in trouble with, but let me tell you, those people over there, they're honest. You know, sometimes, especially children who act foolish, they want to fit in with the crowd. Hey, they're getting in trouble. Let me get in trouble. They need to be taught that if they want a better life, that it is better for them to have a good name, better for them to have a testimony, better for them to have character among themselves, a better. Notice if we see in verse one, we have this idea better towards the end of it. It says, and a day of death is better than one's birth. Now, you may say, well, that doesn't sound like it's better that the day that you die is better than the day you are born. Well, if you trust Jesus Christ as your savior and live by faith, you understand this is I'd rather be home with the Lord than being facing this whole awful place. To be able to trust in Christ, to know that God has something better for me than this world has to offer. I mean, this world's awful. I mean, you could still enjoy it and we're thankful that God can allow us to have the life that we have. But listen, this is not the best I have because I've trusted Christ as my savior. I've got something better beyond the blue. I've got something to better look forward to. And so if we've trusted Christ, better for us is the day of death than the day we were born. Notice as it goes on, verse number two, 
It says, better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men. The living will lay it to his heart. To look upon death and uh, experience mourning ends up waking us up. It helps us to take life seriously. If we're not thinking about death, death is not on our mind, then oftentimes we could, um, <coughs> excuse me, we could end up wasting our days. The Bible says in Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. What is that meaning? In the context there, it's Moses who is writing a psalm to encourage and to motivate the people who just got a death sentence that anyone uh, 20 years or older at Kadesh Barnea during this time, they were going to die before they could cross the wilderness. And he's saying, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. One of the things about young teenagers and young 20 year olds is they think they're invincible and they're never going to die. But when you realize that your days are short, it helps you to take a more serious look at life rather than just to discount it. And so whereas, again, these sound depressing, it's actually better for us to realize we have a short amount of time. If you could forgive the personal illustration, Paul Swanky, who is a good friend of mine and an evangelist that we have come, he texted me today and he uh, said, preach today because you may not have another chance. <laughs> Amen. I told him, well, I'm preaching on the great white throne judgment, and there's no better last message than that. So, <laughs> But the, you know, the think, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are. We should take advantage of the time that we have and not waste it and say, well, I'll do it tomorrow and procrastinate and put it on. Take advantage of the time that we have and use it wisely. Notice as it goes on in verse number three. It says, sorrow is better than laughter. For by the sadness of the countenance of the heart is made better. You said sadness makes the heart better? Yeah. We know that we're not supposed to be sorrowful all the time. But there are turning points that are made in our life during the times of sorrow. It's during the times of sorrow that we often make decisions to change our life, to move things on, to realize that we made a mistake, that life is not one party. God uses the, the times of sorrow to get our attention, to cause us to come to our senses. That's why he says sorrow is better than laughter. We have the principle that we refer to often of the treasures of darkness, that the worst things that happen to us can turn to be the greatest things that happen to us because it brings us to the place of trusting God more. That there are times of sorrow in our life where we go back, if I didn't have that point in my life, I wouldn't be here today. If I didn't have this cross my path, I wouldn't be here today. We look back and say, I'm glad I had that time. It wasn't fun to go through at that time, but we could look back and say, that was when I made a decision. That's when I made a change. That's when I, maybe it was someone with a health scare that they started having heart problems and they were really frightened. The doctor talks to them and they decide they're going to make some changes in their life. Maybe to lower stress or to whatever else. 
maybe it was some spiritual thing that you run into a screeching halt. You think that everything's going well. All right, I'm doing great. You'll run into a wall and realize maybe I wasn't doing things right after all. Maybe I was doing it in my own strength. Maybe I was doing things in my own power. And now God's got my attention that I need to make some changes. Sorrow is better. Those times of laughter, think about all the lessons you learned in your life. Very few of those lessons were learned when you are laughing. The lessons that we learned in our life is in the times of sorrow. So better is sorrow than laughter. Notice as it goes on in verse number five. It says, <laughs> in fact, verse four to kind of tie into verse three. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of the fools is in the house of mirth. Still tying into verse three. Verse five, it is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than the man to hear the song of fools. Here we find out that it's better to hear the rebuke of the wise. Nobody likes rebuke. Nobody likes to be told that they're doing something wrong. Nobody likes to be told that there's grain in their teeth. However, those times help us when someone's able to point something in us, especially if it's something we don't see in ourselves, but others see. And to allow someone to correct our behavior before we do something. To be told, hey, you know, XYZ, check your fly before you go out into the public and start preaching. Uh, that's kind of important, right? Uh, to to um, make some changes, to have someone stop you and say, I need, you need to fix this. You don't understand. You see this. This is not good in you. Those times are better than people say, ah, man, it doesn't matter. Just do whatever you want. We need someone to care enough for us to change our behavior, not just encourage us to continue to go on as we were before. It doesn't matter what your parents say. Be your own man. You do whatever you want. That's not good counsel. Correct. To be able to be rebuked and to be rebukable. Again, we just spoke about that on Wednesday about the fools. Are we rebukable? Notice as it goes on with this idea, verse number six. For as a crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of a fool. This is also vanity. Uh, so here's a picture of wood being crackled underneath a cauldron of pot. And it's just crackling away, but it's going to be burnt away. It, has, it doesn't do anything else other than for that time and that moment. Verse 7. Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad and a gift destroyeth the heart. Now we come to another better in verse number 8. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud of heart. We could see that the end of a thing is better. As we grow old, we lose energy, but we end up gaining an urgency once again because we see life is ending. We know that we don't have a lot of time, that we need to use this time wisely. Again, with too much time, we end up wasting it. But when there's a deadline, when you know that you have a small amount, you want to do something about it, then it kind of ends up with the idea of being patient in spirit is better than, <coughs> excuse me, patient in spirit than proud in spirit. When we're patient, we can allow things to work. Proud says, well, I've got things. And as long as you think that you've got things, you're more liable to make mistakes. Mm 
Now, all of this is introduction to the main thing that they're talking here. What were they talking about? They were talking about this idea that people like to live in the past. And as long as they're living in the past, they don't take care of the present. As long as they're going back and reminiscing about the good old days, they miss the main point that we are to live our life day by day. And to take advantage of the days, to use those days that we have wisely, because we only have a limited time, a limited amount. Therefore, teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. That is wise counsel. If you knew that you had a week to live, you would not waste that week by thinking about how good you had it before. You would say, I've got a limited amount of time to get things done. I can't waste a moment. You're not going to say, well, let's just take a full day and let's just remember how I used to have it better. No, there's an urgency that now comes. When we live in the past, we get stuck there and we don't advance forward. So with this, let's kind of examine as he's talking about the life that we should have, the life that we should have is living in the present, living for the now and moving forward and not stuck in the past. As we examine this, now we see the first thing is to leave the past, to leave the past. Once again, we have this in verse number 10. Sorry, verse number 12. For wisdom is a defense and money is a defense, but the ex... Ah, I lost where I was at. Forgive me. Good. Verse 10 is what I was... Say not... Thou, what is the cause of the former days were better than these? The former days were better than these. The book of Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13 gives the instructions, forgetting those things that were behind. Forgetting those things that were behind. Now certainly we'll remember the good times, but we're not just to think that the only good times that we're going to have are in the past. I met people like this. Um, <laughs> You guys have been around me long enough to say, what do I say about the church? That the greatest days of the Riverview Baptist Church are? Why do I do that? Just because I need a new catchphrase? No, because so many churches I know are stuck in the past. Well, our former pastor, we had this going on. And back 20 years ago, we had this going on. And they get stuck thinking about what used to be. They get stuck in the past. But if we're reminded that our greatest days are still ahead, we're going to move forward and march. There are so many people that get stuck in a time warp. They get stuck in a time bubble. Maybe you know some of your friends and family, they get stuck that way. They're just so entrenched in the past. And if they're going to move forward, maybe it's someone who got saved later in life and they made lots of mistakes Sometimes they get stuck in the past and they can't move forward in the Christian life because they're just looking at all the stuff that they did wrong. Amen. By the way, all of us have a trail of destruction behind all of us. But they get stuck there and they feel like they can't move forward because of all my past failures, because of all the things I used to do, because of the consequences that have happened. I'm stuck there in the past and I can't get over my past. Maybe it's someone that went through a great tragedy and by the way, there are awful tragedies that occur to people. And they get stuck on that tragedy, reliving that tragedy over and over and over. And they won't let themselves move forward. 
They can't enjoy the present because they're so miserable about the past. We like to see, we hear people say about the good old days, but there are some people that think about the bad old days and they get stuck there. The Bible talks about that if we're going to move forward, we have to forget those things that are behind. That means that we don't live there anymore. We don't allow that to control us. We move forward. Maybe it's forgiving us. Maybe it's forgiving someone else. Maybe it's taking a chance to look ahead instead of having the thing, well, it's never going to get better than it used to be. You know, we hear things about our country. We hear people say this all the time. Well, things are waxing worse and worse. Well, if you concentrate on the worse and worse, you're not going to move forward. You're looking at the things behind. Well, this country is beyond saving, so I'm not going to do nothing. People give this up. They, they throw up their hands. If we're going to move forward, we have to leave the past behind. We're going to have to press forward and live in the present, which brings me to the second thing. Leave the past, but we also live in the present. Live in the present. This is the only moment we have. Everything we do must be done now. You can't purposely do anything in the future. That's, that's in the future. This is the only moment you have. Now I know that we're starting to get the realm of metaphysics and whatever else. But do you ever think about that? I can't do anything about the past. Right now is the only thing I have. This is my only time bubble. And if I let that go, it's downstream now. I can't do anything about it. You ever use your memory? I was doing this the other day. I was thinking about something about 20 years ago and I was trying to play it. And I was remembering 20 years ago, I was thinking about this moment so important and, and it's so there. And now it's like a memory. And memories are a funny thing. They're not the here and now. Now you're like, I'm losing everybody now. You ever try to think about the past and try to re call every little detail, it is not the same as right now. The smells, the experience, the feeling, we only have right now to work. Now, we have so many people that don't do anything in the now. There's no urgency, there's no movement, there's nothing. They let it just blow by. But this is the only moment I have control over. What am I going to do with this moment? This moment right here. We live in the present. We know that for today, there's enough things to deal with today than to even borrow from the worries of tomorrow. There's a lot of people who spend a lot of time wasting the day thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, we have a song in our hymn book, I Know Who Holds Tomorrow. If you look at the lyrics of that, there's, I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. There's a lot of people who love to borrow worries for tomorrow. And a lot of those worries we borrow for tomorrow aren't even going to be going to pass. We're thinking about something that might happen, but no guarantee of happening. But yet we're losing our minds about something. Have you ever been worried about Maybe you said something, now you're worried about how someone's going to react, and now you're worrying in advance the next time you see them how things are going to interact. And you're borrowing a lot of brain power and a lot of things for the here and now for something, and then when you finally meet them, they're like, I don't even remember that. 
But for you, you, you've been obsessing over it night and day until that time. We have only this moment to live. Let the past behind and let, we've got enough stuff to deal with today. I don't have to borrow from problems for tomorrow. Right now is what I have. Right now is what I live. Living and making it. Living the life that I have now. We made mistakes in the past, but we don't have to make them today. Now's when we trust the Lord. In fact, hold your finger here. Turn with me to the gospel record of Matthew. Made reference to this yesterday in our soul winning, Matthew chapter 11. We're coming back to Ecclesiastes. Matthew chapter 11, notice with me if you don't mind towards the end of the chapter. Matthew chapter 11 and notice with me in verse 28. Matthew 11 verse 28. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly of heart and ye shall find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here, Jesus is saying that we can have a lightness about our day. Not taken away from things. Now, remember, let's define our word rest. Some people think the idea of rest is that I do nothing all day. That's not the idea here. He says, take my yoke upon you. What's a yoke? A yoke is an instrument that you would harness animals to for the purpose of working. Well, in here, we take Jesus's yoke upon him. That means he's yoking up with us. Now, if we're yoked up in the same yoke as Jesus, who's doing most of the work? That makes my work light. I'm letting him do the work and I'm just going along with him. Oh, how much easier our days are when we let him do his work. Amen. And as we're working with him and letting him do the work, it says, learn of me. You want to know where you learn more about Christ at when you let him do the work? When you let him take the lead? When you allow him to do what he needs to do and we're going alongside with him, we learn more about him than you ever could in a book. We learn more about him by experience when we're laboring along with him and we realize that my labor is light. So many people have such a burden, even in the ministry. I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. And they're so weighted down. But when you learn that I could trust Christ, I can enjoy the moment that I have and I can enjoy the labor and I can enjoy the journey. There's so many people who don't enjoy the journey. But when we're yoked up with Christ, our burden is light. We now have rest for our souls. Not a rest that means that we're sleeping all day, but a peace that passeth all understanding. A rest in my spirit. A rest in what I have. I don't have to be walking around wringing my hands and oh man, what's going to happen? I don't have to be pacing, rubbing my forehead. Oh, come on. How am I going to fix this? What am I going to do? We can enjoy the life that we have right now and enjoy the journey when we rest in him moment by moment, learning of him Resting in him, letting him take the lead. We can enjoy the moments that we have. 
which now, as we turn back to the Ecclesiastes chapter 7, we're talking about this principle about this better life. And that we know that we leave the past. Let it be in the past. We don't dwell there. We don't live there. We need to live in the present. But in addition, we look forward to the future. Look forward to the future. What is the future that we're looking forward to? That God is working. The greatest days are still ahead. The world could be falling apart around you and you can still look forward to enjoying the journey, enjoying the life that you have. God answering prayers. That God's still working. God's still leading. God's got plans. God could still work. Man, the whole country can fall apart, but yet this church can still be moving forward. Everyone else could be losing their minds and burning everything down and we can still be moving forward. We can have problems going on and we can still be moving forward. The greatest days are still ahead. By the way, if you don't believe that, you are losing hope and how can you take a step forward? Do you know when people give up? When they no longer have hope. Hope in what? Hope that something better is going to happen better around the corner. But if you truly think the best days are still ahead, I want to go see what they're like. I want to go there. Let's go. Let's, let's take the steps. I want to see the better days. As Christians, we know that at the very end, by the way, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I've got something better than this waiting for me. Aren't you glad? You can enjoy the life down here and still look forward to something better. I get to go live with Christ. We've just spent a lot of time talking about the millennial kingdom. I'm looking forward to that. Man, petting my pet dinosaur and riding them around and enjoying the air. and the I mean, it's so many great things to look forward to. The greatest days are truly still ahead. We should be some of the happiest people who ever lived. Why? It doesn't mean that everything is perfect. But I can enjoy the journey that I have living day to day and I can look forward to a brighter future. There's something still ahead. The greatest days are still ahead. God has got something better for you. Now, dear friend, it may be when I'm saying this that it seems like a better life is a foreign concept. Maybe we start at the beginning. Do you know for sure that Jesus Christ has forgiven you of all of your sins? Have you ever come to the place where you personally asked him to be your savior? Then let me tell you, then if you have, you already have a better future. But you could also have a better present. Are you resting in him? Are you learning of him? Are you laboring with him? Are you talking to him? He could help you to enjoy the journey that you have day by day. You can enjoy the life that you have. You don't have to see life as just a slog fest. You could enjoy the journey. And with the promises that God has for us, we have a better tomorrow. Maybe you're not at that mindset. What needs to change? Maybe you need to come to Christ and say, Christ, help me to learn of you. Help me to enjoy the journey. Help me to enjoy the life that you have given me with all of its bumps and roads to all the hills and valleys to see the things that God's given to me. That I don't have to lose my mind and push on the brakes whenever I hit a small bump on the road and say, forget it, I'm just not going anywhere anymore. Can you enjoy the journey? God wants you to enjoy every step of the way. 
even in the bad times. There's such a peace when you see that God is with you in those awful times. There's such a rejoicing when God corrects you from where you are and changes you and you look back and say, I praise the Lord that God put that in my life. That he didn't allow me to keep going the same way. Are you enjoying the journey? Again, as Solomon is looking back, he's giving an honest evaluation. He's leaving hope and saying, listen, I made mistakes. I'm at the end of my life. I can't do anything about my past. But let me tell you, you can have a better life. Don't follow in those same footsteps. You can enjoy the journey. He says, let me give you some wisdom. And if you have wisdom, if you get this wisdom, notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 11 and 12, wisdom is good with an inheritance and by it there is profit to them that see the sun. Remember that idea of see the sun is a, is a poetical phrase of in light of God, in regard of who God is. Verse number 12, for wisdom is a defense and money is a defense, but excellency of knowledge is, what's this excellency of knowledge? That wisdom giveth life to them that have it. You know what you need? You need wisdom and you apply wisdom, you have life. What are we speaking about? The better life that you apply your hearts to wisdom. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. When I decide that I'm going to use every day the best I can, you enjoy the journey. Amen. And when you start enjoying the journey, you start having life. Now some people think that the life that they have is categorized by how long you live. No, you don't live your life year by year. You live your life day by day. And the life worth living is all dependent on what you do with each day. Many of you know that in my office in the very back, I have three jars. I have a middle jar that approximates how many days I have left. I don't know, but approximately. I hope that I get to the place where I add more days into it. Just, you know, catch back up. And then I have a blue jar and I have a red jar. In the blue jar, every day, I take one of the days that I have and I place it in each one of those jars. The days that I used wisely, I put in the blue jar. The days that I used foolishly, I put in the red jar. And at the end, I can see what type of life I lived. Did I have a good life? How can I tell? Is there a quantifiable way? Yeah. This is a way I could see, did I have a good life by which jar is filled up? So much so that I've already asked that this shows up at my funeral, that they bring the jars in. How do you know that he had a good life? Here's evidence. He used his life wisely day by day. This is starting to be such a big deal that when I have guest preachers who come back, they kind of bypass me and they go straight to my red jar. They want to see how many is left in the red jar. Uh, we just had Brother Summerdorf. That was one of the first things he did. Yeah. Push past me and he wants to see what's in the red jar. <laughs> it's a powerful illustration. We live our life day by day. Amen. And you can enjoy the journey day by day. Don't say, well, I'll enjoy tomorrow. Why not enjoy today? Exactly. And if you obey God today and follow after him today, live your life wisely today, it's a life worth living. 
and I add another good day to it. And I just string them together, almost like kids remember when they made the, uh, the necklace out of Cheerios, one Cheerio at a time, just put it on there. Just stringing them together until you got something complete. We live our life day by day. We don't live it in the past. The past is gone. I don't steal from the things tomorrow. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. But am I applying my heart to wisdom today? Once again, the last part of uh, verse number 12, it says that the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Live our life day by day. Apply our hearts to knowledge to make our life count. From this point forward, let's live it and enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.